Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'm Christy. I'm Jackie. And we're so glad you're back with us today. Today we're going to talk about Con Air. There's no summer blockbuster quite like this crazy, silly, fun summer blockbuster. You know it's going to be good when it's an action flick stacked with comedians. Yes. In a summer blockbuster. I don't know if good's the right word. Oh, it's so good. It's bad. Oh, it's critically horrible as a film. Yes. But it's so good. It is. It's really, it's fun. It's exactly what you expect of a summer blockbuster movie. It had a big budget and... Absolutely. ...was just absolutely silly. Full of good one-liners. Yeah. And there were a couple movies this summer of 1997... That had to do with airplanes. Interesting. This one, and then the one that trounced it, Air Force One. Ooh, now that was good too. It was a really good movie. That was like legitimately good, like made to be good, really was good. This was kind of made to be bad, and in its ridiculousness and awfulness and plot holes, it's Great. It's fabulous. It's such a delight to watch. Yeah. I love every minute of it. Yeah. Every minute. Oh, yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. Well, good. Uh, <laughs> it was rated R and it has a star studded cast. Obviously, Nicolas Cage, because this is the beginning of our Nicolas Cage series of movies. We're just going to have some summer movie fun with Nick Cage movies. Fabulous. Some of them ridiculous, like this one. Some of them. A little more critically well received. Yes, I would say so. All fun. All very fun. All very fun. That's what he does well. Yes. So Nicolas Cage was Cameron Poe. John Cusack was Vince Larkin, an agent FBI. No, he was a U.S. Marshal. U.S. Marshal. That's what it was. John Malkovich was Cyrus the Virus. Being John Malkovich is an amazing movie, so if you haven't seen that, you should absolutely check it out. Then there was uh, McKelty Williamson, who was Cameron Poe, Nicolas Cage's cellmate, Baby O, and he was Bubba in Forrest Gump. Yep. Yep. Dave Chappelle is Pinball. Steve Buscemi from Fargo was Garland Green, also known as the Marietta Marauder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was like his nickname. Really? Yeah. Oh. I'm and I was like, that. hey, Jackie, Marietta's near yeah, Atlanta. That's yeah, true. I know that. Well, and Steve has been in a lot of things. Oh, he's I been mean, in he's been in a so lot of comedies. Oh, my gosh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Monica Potter, who played Trisha Poe, K- Nicolas Cage's wife. She was Christina Braverman in Parenthood. Danny Trejo was Johnny 23. He- He's been in a ton of stuff. So, I mean, so much stuff. Interesting fact about him that I learned looking some things up. Before he became an actor in 1985, he served time in San Quentin. Really? He was a very troubled youth. Oh. Yeah. 
So well, he's, he's a good actor, so I'm yeah, glad he found his niche. Yeah, exactly. It was filmed in Salt Lake City at Wendover and Ogden Airports in Utah on a soundstage in Hollywood. Spoiler alert. If you haven't seen a movie from 22 years ago, then... Well, it's time. Yeah. Just, it's time. It's time. Yeah. Most of the Las Vegas crash that we see towards the end of the movie... It was filmed with miniatures, and the crash site was filmed at the Sands Hotel that was about to be demolished anyway. I thought that was kind of cool. That's actually one of the things I love about this film, is that there's not a whole lot of graphics, of special effects. There's a lot of practical effects in it. Yes. Really cool. And Nick Cage did most of his own stunts. Well, I can believe that. Well, he was built like a brick house in the 90s. Oh, yeah. smokes. My gosh. Yeah. So strong. Yes. This was Simon West's directorial debut as a feature film director, but he also directed Rick Astley's Never Gonna Give You Up. He gave us the video for the Rickroll. Interesting. Yes, I thought that was really fun. And uh, Dave Chappelle improvised most of his lines. Well, I can believe that too. (laughs) Pinball. Pinball. So shall we recap this Yeah, let's recap this. So spoiler alert, we're going to recap it. Yeah. All the way to the end. There's a lot that happens in this silly, ridiculous movie. It really is a very complicated plot. (laughs) Maybe more complicated. Well, did it need to be this complicated? Would it have worked if it were less complicated? I don't think so. I think it needed to be this complicated. Okay. I think it's a suspend your disbelief. Well, a little bit. (laughs) Well, maybe a lot, actually. I take that back. A lot. Just suspend all belief of everything. uh, You know, but I will say that the plot line, I mean, I thought the... The planning, like the criminals' plans here, that uh-huh. was intricate. Yeah, you yeah. had to kind of follow along what was going on there and see the sabotaging that was going on. And eh, yeah, yeah. So let's start at the beginning. Yeah, Cameron Poe gets an honorable discharge from the army. We see the ceremony at the beginning. He wants to celebrate with his newly pregnant wife Trisha. He goes to the bar or a restaurant. I think it's mostly a bar. It's mostly a bar, but it looks like a bar and grill kind of place. Yeah. And she she works there. He goes and some regulars from the bar give him a hard time. He doesn't take the bait, doesn't fight with them. They leave to go and get in their car and they jump Cameron, these three jerks from the bar. Cameron accidentally kills one of them. As with- he's wonderfully winning that fight. Yeah. <laughs> he yeah. kicks butt. Oh, three of them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But the last punch, he gives one punch and... He gives the punch to the nose Mm -hmm. where supposedly you can kill a man with one punch to the nose. Just pushing the nose right up into the brain, apparently. Yeah, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. (laughs) So Cameron goes to trial and he's declared a deadly weapon because of his military background, even though his lawyer told him he was going to get... Uh, four less, years. Yeah, four years sentence, and if he pled guilty, he would get four years and probably serve less than a year. He still ends up with a 10-year sentence. Which is what Cameron did not want to do. He did not, he wanted to go with self-defense. Yes. And he got talked into making it go away too quickly, and then... And then it still didn't go away too quickly. We see him in prison. His hair gets progressively longer. He's writing letters back and forth. He refuses to meet his daughter, Casey, whom Trisha was pregnant with at the very beginning of the movie, uh, until he's out of prison, which I'm like, please. 
come on, man. That's just like putting pride before. It's very prideful. Before your kids. But whatever. So there's a prison transport that's going to take a bunch of really bad guys to a brand new Supermax prison. And Poe is catching a ride on the plane. It's called the Jailbird. The Jailbird. Mm -hmm. A prison in the sky is what it's meant to be. Uh Uh-huh. So Vince Larkin is overseeing the flight, our marshal, who is uh, John Cusack. And the DEA are putting an undercover man on the flight to try and get information out of a cartel member. And yeah. who's, supposed to, who's supposed to load at another stop. Yes. So he's on, and he's supposed to then be able to get chatty with this man eventually you know, later. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Larkin insists no guns. The DEA ignore this. That's important later. Then we get introduced to the, like, 101 bad guys they put on all this flight. They, like, tell us who everybody is. Cyrus the virus. All these people, they have a little piece of metal stuck in their palm, the skin of their palms. And they use it to pick their locks. And they take over the plane. And Cyrus, who is John Malkovich, gives the plane the moniker Con Air. He says, <laughs> Welcome to Con Air. Uh, yeah. And it's one of those one-liners that you're like, yay, summer blockbuster one-liners. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's awesome. It's like, he said that just so they could put it in a preview. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But just, he does it so well. And he has many throughout this whole thing. Yeah. yeah. He, he does have some really good lines. Baby O, who was Poe's cellmate wherever he was incarcerated before, uh, is being transferred to the Supermax prison. He's diabetic. He needs his insulin. Also important for later. The DEA agent with the gun on the plane gets reckless, gets murdered. There's a prisoner exchange supposed to happen in Carson City. There's a bad dust storm in Carson City. And this actually makes it much better for the criminals to be able to pull this off. Because yeah. everybody's all like dressed and covered up. Yeah, so they're, they've got numbers, you know, Cyrus asks for the numbers from the pilot, and the point is that some people are getting off, and some people are getting on. Right. And so they need to make sure that they get off, everybody's supposed to get off, and so three of them are dead. So then yeah, they need to take this volunteers. This is a problem. This is a problem. So they get volunteers, and they're trying to get everybody ready. Well, this is the first instance where we learn that Poe may be helping the good side. Yeah, yeah. This is the first instance. Yeah, well, because Baby O, needing his insulin, offers to get off the plane, but they need white guys. Baby, Baby o. o is not a white guy. Yep, and Poe's not going to leave him. No, so and he's he... not going to leave his friend to mm-hmm. die, because that's basically what would happen. While they're doing this exchange, the prison that Cyrus was at is looking through his cell, like doing their outtake work. I don't know how long... It took them to get him from his cell to the airplane, but evidently they weren't in a hurry to do this. So they find a little bit of, like, dust on the floor. <laughs> this was one of the most ridiculous parts to me. <laughs> and I'll get there in just a second. So they find this little bit of dust on the floor, and then they realize that one of the bricks in the wall is really soft. And so they dig into it and find a hidey hole of the anarchist cookbook and plain schematics and plans and all this stuff. So I don't quite know how he did that. How did he get it back together well enough that they didn't know? 
I have no idea. It's so ridiculous because he rebuilt the wall and retextured the front of it to hide all this stuff. How did he do that? I don't know. I have no idea. It's silly. It's silly. It's very silly. So on comes Garland Green, the Marietta Mangler. I think I said Marauder earlier. Mangler is proper. He gets on new guy's swamp thing. Who is now the pilot. He's, he's, he's going to pilot the plane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poe put the literal tape recorder that the dead DEA agent had on him on one of the guards disguised as a prisoner. And all of this stuff comes together. They realize that Cyrus was making plans. They they found this on the guard in Carson City. And Larkin realizes what's up. Yeah. And then a bomb explodes in Cyrus's old cell and... Then I think crazy. it was just an excuse for an explosion. Well, yeah, a little bit. Yeah. But Larkin did say, don't touch anything. Yeah. And what's, guards, the, what's the first thing they do? They sit down on the bed and open, open the box, box that, that says, says, do, do not, not open. open. <laughs> and then it explodes. <laughs> like, why would, why would Cyrus put do not open? Was that like a reminder to himself no, not I, to open it? I think he knew. How, who, can you resist a box that says do not open? That's like a bright flashing light to me. Why? Why not open? That's interesting. Like, ah, it's like, it's in, it's alluring. And okay. Especially if you're a guard and your prisoners have something that says do not open. I'm super curious, but I'm also not dumb, so I wouldn't open it. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was the, yeah, mastermind. He's a mastermind. Yeah, it's awful. He's psychotic and very, very brilliant. Yeah. So, like, in Carson City, all of this blows up. Like, their plan kind of starts to go to ashes a little bit because right. their prisoner exchange didn't go smoothly so they could take off. They got yeah. caught. They had to kind of take off on the run. And, yeah. You know. It was fast. Yeah. But it's great because are you going to talk about the transponder? I am going to talk so about I'm so excited. The, okay. So, <laughs> while, while they're doing this prisoner exchange, Pinball, Dave Chappelle, gets off the plane to put the transponder onto a different plane so that they can't be followed. So smart, right? And so he gets in, um, you know, the guy who's the pilot, Swamp Thing, he gets into the plane and he's ripping the transponder out and he and he rips the wires off and then he finds the wires and he attaches it to a battery and he's wrapping it all up. And who is it that says it? It looks at him and goes, it's amazing what you white trash know how to do. <laughs> and Swamp Thing looks at him and goes, yeah, sure is. <laughs> And so it just cracks me up. It's one of those moments where (laughs) you're like, it's it's handy to be handy. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. See, and that's why I wouldn't be good on one of these flights. (laughs) I wouldn't be good on one of these flights for a lot of reasons. Let's face it. But let's face it. That's, that's not one of those things that I have a lot of talent in. I would, I'd, ha- I'd have to find a way to like research my way. You'd have to, to sit there with a YouTube video. <laughs> How do I do this? So Pinball, who got off the plane to be helpful, gets left behind. And no one seems to miss him all that much. Not much. No. But not. except except Cyrus does go, oh, I liked Pinball. <laughs> Yeah, but he also called him names earlier. Oh, yeah, which ugly was names. really funny. Yeah. Ugly names. Larkin realizes that Poe might be an ally on the plane. Let's find out what happened to Pinball. 
they're in the air and they're not going quite as fast as they thought they should be. Mm-hmm, that little good drag. Yeah. Cyrus asks Diamond Dog to go down and check the landing gear and Diamond Dog doesn't want to go alone. So he taps Poe to go with him and really he just doesn't want to do it himself. He just wants to have over- somebody else do yeah, it. He yeah. wants to oversee it being done. He doesn't yeah. want to do it because he's maybe a little afraid of what he's going to find. Maybe or a maybe little... that it, he's going to fall out the bottom of the plane. Or, or maybe something. he's not the guy who understands these things and would need a YouTube video. <laughs> he's so aware. <laughs> he understands his limitations. Yeah, there we go. So, <laughs> what is causing the landing gear not to retract? That'd be pinball. pinball. <laughs> Poor pinball. Poe sees an opportunity. He does. He finds, I don't know where he got the marker. I don't know where he got him. Well, they're among all their personal gear. Yeah, but So he, they kind of flip he, open a box, and I don't know where he got a pen out of, but he found a pen. He found a pen. Mm-hmm. He writes a note on Pinball's shirt to Larkin, which I'm not, I don't remember exactly how he knew Larkin's name. But oh, he, he was in the cockpit when oh, Larkin started talking to, to Cyrus, Cyrus right. on the radio. Okay. And so he heard him introduce himself as the U.S. Marshal. Right. So then he writes the name on the chest. Yes. And says where they're going. Mm -hmm. And then pushes poor Pinball out onto some unsuspecting man's car. Somehow they end up back in the cargo hold. Billy Bedlam finds Poe's parole letter and his personal effects. Is messing with this rabbit Poe had bought for his daughter for her birthday from the jail commissary. One of my favorite scenes. (laughs) Because he's holding the bunny, and this is Nick Cage at finest hour. Put the bunny in the box. (laughs) Put the bunny back in the box. And he's so serious about put the bunny back in the box. Uh Oh, my gosh. It's just so funny. I can't handle it. Yeah. I have to pause and and take in the situation every time. Con Air is going to Lerner Airport, even though the DEA is chasing another plane over Arizona. Yeah, like a sightseeing plane. Yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Where Pinball had stashed the transponder. Yeah. Yeah. So that they would follow it. And the DEA just insists that the transponder has to actually be in the plane. And then they see like little old gray haired lady peeking out the window like, oh my goodness. What's going on? Uh, Larkin goes to Lerner Airport on his own. He drives one of the DEA agents' prized Corvette. Pretty awesome. Yeah. They get to the airport. They're expecting another plane to land. It looks like it's not coming. They don't know what's going on. Oh, it turns out the plane that they were expecting 
was supposed to be a big plane. There's a plane there, but it's a small plane, and it's only for the cartel guy. The rest of them are going to get left. Yeah, yeah. The cartel basically double crosses. Yeah, You're all so. a bunch of criminals. Shouldn't you expect this? Yeah, isn't this like planned for this? Really, seriously, come on, man. But uh, all kinds of chaos ensues at Larner Field because they have to dig the plane, you know, Con Air, out of the uh, the sand that they had come to arrest in. So have to dig out this plane and try to get it ready to go because that's our only option, right? right? So this gives time because Larkin's there. Yeah. He's hiding. Right. But he gets to meet Poe. Yes. They find each other. They find each other. They kick some butt together. Yeah. Yeah. Poe has been looking for a syringe for... Baby O to be able to get his insulin because all of the syringes were broken, but there was a vial of insulin <laughs> still for Baby O. He's going to be able to save Baby O. There's a, the police get there. There's a big shootout. I guess once they realized that Larkin was right, the police were like, okay, so we should have listened to Larkin. We should have maybe gone to Lerner Airport with him. So they head that way. They head that way. But they do the dumbest thing I've ever seen happen, <sighs> ever. And they, they drive their convoy right into the middle of an enclosed area where, where everybody has already planned for this. And they just, oh. They yeah, did. they just annihilate them. Mm-hmm. Well, and not only that, but they drive down like the one dusty road. To get there, and they, can see, and they can see them coming for like twenty minutes before yeah. they get there. It's like, are you kidding? Like, come on, guys, that yeah. was not smart. So eventually, they end up back in the air. The Corvette gets destroyed <laughs> to hilarious effect, which you're not sad about because it's a beautiful Corvette, but it belonged to a really ugly dude, ugly DEA agent. In the air, Cyrus realizes that they've been betrayed, and Baby O, because Poe saved him by getting him the syringe for his insulin and refused to leave him, takes the blame, and he gets shot in the stomach. Which I don't know why Cyrus would shoot him in the stomach. Why wouldn't he shoot him in the head? Because that seems like the Baby O had to live. Uh, yeah. So yeah. he gets shot it's in the stomach. It's just one of those. Once. Then Baby O, as he's laying on the ground with his stomach shot, starts to lose his faith in God, and Poe has to kick butt to prove that God is real. <laughs> it's the best. Isn't that what it. it says in Kick Butticus 24-7? Yeah, something I think like something that. Like yeah. That. I don't remember the verse exactly, but yeah, yeah somewhere exa- around there. Exactly, somewhere around there. <laughs> they basically crash land. They run out of gas. I don't remember why they crashed. They were out of engines. Because they kept telling them, you can make it to McCarran, Uh which is the airport. If you've been to Vegas, it really is. That airport is right at the end of the strip. So, like, it's not far. But they kept telling them, you can make it to the airport. And and the pilot swamped things like, nope, we're not going to make it. We're out of this engine. We're out of this. We're, nope, we're putting it down right on the strip. Yeah. Yep. And they do. They do. Which is silly. But okay. It was very exciting. It was. <laughs> there's a lot of exciting stuff. A that lot happened. of crazy. A lot of crazy. So Con Air crash lands on the Vegas Strip. Baby O gets into an ambulance. The worst of the bad guys escape, and Cyrus has to take one last poke at Poe and threaten to kill Casey Poe's daughter, whom he's never met, but and... right as as he escapes. 
So, and that's what that's that's that was not okay with Poe. No, mm-hmm. he was he was not gonna let that go. He no. was not gonna let these bad guys escape. Mm-hmm. The bad guys get on a fire truck, and Poe and Larkin team up once again, and they chase the prisoners on motorcycles, but po- police motorcycles, police motorcycles yeah. that they've stolen from the cops. Right, right. Uh-huh. But and, here comes my favorite scene because after they do that, then the police start to to follow, and they jump on. And you see the slow motion donut fall from his hand and roll away as they drive off. Oh, it's beautiful. It's just beautiful. I, I just love it. Well, it's very, very funny in its clichéness. Oh, I love it. There's a big fight. They argue. The cops get knocked down. And it's up to Poe and Larkin to kick butt and take names. Yes. And they emerge victorious. Money is raining down from the streets because there's just been a crash landing on the Vegas Strip. Yeah. So there's money just raining down. And Poe ignores it all to rescue the stuffed rabbit that he bought for his daughter in the jail commissary for her birthday. He's got to save it from the gutter. Yes, and it, and it looks terrifying at this point. Yeah, it's not as cute as it was. It's not cute. No. Poe sees his wife and finally meets his daughter. They hug. It's delightful. We see that the Marietta Marauder is the only convict who actually escapes. Mm-hmm. Playing the luck in Vegas. Yeah, there we go. Mm-hmm. So, you know how I like to read Roger Ebert's thoughts? Yeah. I really do. <laughs> he he actually pretty much liked this movie. Really? Yeah, he gave it three out of four stars. That's not bad. Yeah, which I was a little surprised, but I think he saw it really for what it is. The Nicolas Cage character observes, somehow they managed to get every creep and freak in the universe on this one plane. That's the same thought I was having. The plane, a hijacked flight of dangerous convicts, has so many criminal superstars on it, it's like a weirdo version of those comic books where superheroes hold a summit. I'm like... (laughs) That's excellent. That is excellent. (laughs) That is so excellent. Uh, It's a big cast, but it's easy to keep it straight because everyone is typecast and no one ever does anything out of character. I love it. I'm like, okay, in a big cast like this, that's what I want. Mm -hmm. This is a movie that knows it's absurd and does little to deny it. Yeah. Yeah. And so he's comparing it to other high-tech special effects extravaganzas that had come out just before this. Beverly Hills Cop, Top Gun, Days of Thunder, Crimson Tide, The Rock. Kev, confession. What? I kind of thought Con Air was The Rock. Oh, really? (laughs) I kind of was confused. I was wondering (laughs) for the first, like, 15 minutes where Sean Connery was. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) Well, they both start out in prison. Yeah. 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 So, that's so, so funny so there's a fair chance i maybe never saw this movie before i watched it for this episode <laughs> but i thought i had and then there's the uh strangest and most bizarre bit of a movie that is full of strange people and bizarre events and that is the closing credit credits feature sweet home alabama and a montage of all the characters smiling gleefully that's right <laughs> this is what i'm talking about it was a, co- a comedian stacked 
cast. And they did. They did. They knew what they were doing. My favorite, one of my other favorite parts of it is when they're in the plane and they think they've gotten away and they're playing and dancing to Sweet Home Alabama. And, and you know, Garland, the really awful, awful, awful uh-huh. sicko, uh-huh. Yeah. Steve Buscemi, is sitting there all calm and he turns and he goes, define irony. A bunch of convicts dancing to Sweet Home Alabama on a plane by to a song made famous by a band who died in a plane crash. <laughs> He's just so calm, yeah. you know? It was so funny. Yeah. yeah, it was funny. It was smart. Well, but the Nicolas Cage's reaction to him, just the stare, is so good. It's mm-hmm. just hilarious. Then we had an article from The Guardian that looked at this uh, movie 20 years after the fact. So this was in June of 2017. (laughs) The title of the article, Muscles, Mullets, and Malkovich, Has Con Air Gotten Even Weirder with Age? (laughs) That's fabulous. Yes. Graham Virtue, the author, says, Con Air remains the oddest of 90s popcorn movies, half disreputable prison flicked, half gleaming Aerosmith video. (laughs) (laughs) for decades blockbusters have been pejoratively compared to fast food but con air feels supersized in the best way glistening headbanging assaults on the senses this is so So, funny i just thought that it was funny that's a a fun read so that we have all kinds of stuff to talk about we have the the can it happen some psychology behind stuff real life stuff but we're gonna get to all of that after a quick break on the story song podcast we closely examine the story of famous story songs we'll walk you through the lyrics you've heard a thousand times but have never thought about leave it to us because we overthink everything spread the word around guess who's back in town why is this my job (laughs) why is this on me now i didn't even like those guys (laughs) we discuss the history of the story songs you love show of hands who here knew that rig springfield was australian no clue the wikipedia article started with you guys you're not going to believe this (laughs) the story song podcast find it wherever you get your podcasts the can it really happen part I had a lot of can it really happen questions. This movie begs. Can that really happen? (laughs) So I started with the can someone be killed by a hit to the nose sending a bone into the brain? That's a great question. And I was pretty sure it was not true when I saw this movie. And I have pretty much confirmed that on the internet. (laughs) There's a lot of conflicting information like... Basically, it's kind of possible-ish. Ish. <laughs> it's extremely unlikely to happen. Like, ever. And there's no, like, way to ensure it will happen. Your nose is made of cartilage. And there, while there are bones, they're, they're small and not... They're very fragile. And they wouldn't be able to penetrate the skull where your brain is encased in the window the small gap where they might be able to enter and cause damage is so tiny and so awkwardly placed that it would probably never happen so it's (laughs) the article fightingarts.com I don't know how reputable this is but (laughs) they, they they talked very convincingly so I'm going to give it a go they said anyone who argues to the contrary that this has been done before and stands in opposition to they stand in opposition 
to overwhelming medical and anatomical information. The mechanics of accomplishing this are daunting. First, there is a crystagali, a thick triangular piece of bone that projects from the bone that forms the roof of the nasal cavity. Although there are small openings in this plate, which allow nerves to pass through, they are not large enough to allow a mass of splintered bone to enter the brain case, nor are they direct conduits to the brain. So anatomy basically precludes this. Just doesn't support it at all. No, not not at all. No. And were you to get a piece of bone into your brain, assuming that that bone didn't get into your brain because your face was squished, Mm -hmm. which is really how most people end up dying from this kind of stuff, is it wouldn't mean automatic death. Something entering your brain doesn't automatically mean death. No, not automatically, for sure. So there's a lot of stories of this, but I found this one. A man was doing some woodworking, in his house, and he had a nail gun. Oh, no. And oh, he, no. like, slipped. Oh, no. And it accidentally hit him in the middle of the forehead. Ow. And it shot a nail into his brain. Ow. No. Ow. No. He didn't even know it. How do you not know? He didn't, because, and his wife didn't know it. She thought that he'd scraped his head, because it had hit his head and flat, red is the flat surface and shot the nail. But because you don't have nerve sensors in your brain, it didn't hurt. He thought he just hit his head. And the, the wound was small. His wife thought that he just scraped his head. And so she like cleaned it and they put a Band-Aid over it. No. And he didn't go to the ER for a couple of days because, and he only went because he was nauseous. He oh wasn't in pain. So things can happen to your brain that you don't even realize that it's there's something in there. And people report this all the time. They'll have oh. like something go in like an eye cavity and come out the back of their head and they don't even realize that oh. they're, they're not really in a whole lot of pain because your brain doesn't feel pain. Your brain understands the information that it gets from your body as pain. But it doesn't feel pain on its own. That's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. This is so creepy. (laughs) Yes. But, as I mentioned, there is such a thing as a one-punch death. Right. It does happen. That's what I kind of thought of with this nose-punch thing, is it kind of almost looks like he didn't... It didn't look like he was trying to do some fancy kill shot. It looked like he he made a good punch that should neutralize it, and then the guy just died. And it was like, what? Well, and I think we were supposed to understand it as he, because of where he hit the nose and that the guy fell over dead immediately, Mm -hmm. we were supposed to understand that he'd done this kill move that he'd learned in the military. Yeah, kind of, kind of, yeah. I I think it's, it's very, that was supposed to be understood. This was like a big urban legend in the late 80s, early 90s. That's true. I think we were supposed to understand that that's what this was. In the UK, there were 80 fatalities between 2007 and 2017 of people who died from a, quote, one punch can kill. Interesting. Yeah. And it's more about uh, 
they sever an artery. Some underlying condition mm-hmm. that's aggravated from it. Yeah, or just there's a way you can hit the head, which it'll sever an artery in the brain that's obviously devastating. You hit somebody, it knocks them out, they hit their head on concrete, mm-hmm. and that will cause enough damage to the brain to hurt, murder somebody inadvertently most of the time. Right, as an adverse impact right. to the situation. Yeah. yeah. Does military training make you a deadly weapon? (laughs) The answer is, it depends on where you live. And perhaps. But, I would say in this instance, Poe was clearly defending himself. It was three on one. He was being attacked in the rain. Yeah, and you know... Okay, I hear what they're saying, but, and and this is not to disrespect army rangers, hear me now. Right. But I would say that would an army ranger qualify for it? Uh, But, you know, like special forces, somebody particularly trained in something, I don't know, maybe, but at the end. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family cannolis and spins mean everything now you want to get mixed up in the family business introducing the godfather at chumpacasino.com test your luck in the shadowy world of the godfather slot someday i will call upon you to do a service for me play the godfather now at chumpacasino.com welcome to the family vgw group no purchase necessary void where prohibited by law see terms and conditions 18 plus Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. End of the day, nobody but Chuck Norris is a human deadly weapon, and let's just put that to bed. <laughs> well, part it depends on what state you live in. Well, in Texas, nobody but Chuck Norris is a deadly weapon. <laughs> Uh, states such as Texas, Ohio, and Kentucky have determined that the human body can be a deadly weapon under certain circumstances. That includes hands, feet, teeth, mouth, elbows, and knees. Then they consider how many times they were hit, the degree of force that was used, how, the extent of the injuries. Really, they determine it on a case-by-case basis. In some states, such as Texas, a defendant's martial arts training may make the body a deadly weapon. But in many states, like Illinois, the defendant's training and skill, no matter how lethal, doesn't transform them into a deadly weapon. So, again, they're going to take it on a case-by-case basis, and that no one took this case as obvious self-defense. Seriously. Yeah, I mean, it was a... A means to an end to get him on the plane. I mean, it's kind of, kind of really was, kind of really was. Yeah, all to make the, him a good guy. They from had, the lawyer telling him to like plead. You know, why did he think he wasn't going to win a self defense case in that? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know either. But it's ridiculous. Yeah, just really patently ridiculous. Can you move a transponder? 
from one plane to another. I love this. You have to really suspend belief for this because, yeah, it's really kind of ridiculous. Yes. You know. Uh, basically, no. Not really. No, because especially not the way that Pinball did it. Because no. Pinball took it out, they connected it to a battery, and then they just stuck it in a plane. Yeah. Like, but underneath a seat. Right. And that's not how it works at all. No, not it's really. It's got to be attached to the workings of the plane, which obviously Pinball didn't have an expertise to install. No, it's not like a, a, like the tile thing for your keys, where you right. can just throw it wherever and it's just going to track. It's not like a GPS tracker. No. Especially not on Jailbird 1997. Yeah, no, <laughs> not at all. So, so we had a... <laughs> Um, man answered this question on Quora. Maybe more effective than Reddit? Maybe so. And maybe a l- little bit more expertise here. But anyway, this guy, he had a very good answer. Dirk McCoy. I remember this movie and laughed out loud at the scene. The quote-unquote transponder in the movie is actually an IFF control panel used in military aircraft. IFF or identification, friend or foe, is a military version of a civilian transponder. The box in the cockpit is simply a controller for the actual transponder located in the avionics bay somewhere else in the aircraft. Switching the control panel in the cockpit will not change the frequency that's being squawked by the actual transponder. So they didn't, they all they moved was the control panel, not the transponder. Yeah. No, it was a complete. But it's still funny. It was funny. It's a really funny scene. And you know, it's interesting because movies often do this. They often do things that are not real, but they often look ahead. Like, they acted like it was just a GPS chip, you know? And that wasn't really kind of a thing. I mean, it existed, not to the public so much. Right. But, you know, and nowadays, not that you can do this on an airplane these days either. No. But you could. You could, I mean, there's a, you could take a GPS and put it somewhere else. It's just interesting thinking on, yeah. you know, how to simplify that for the sake of the story. <laughs> yes. You know, because if they had shown us all that would have been necessary to remove the transponder, all of us would have fallen asleep. <laughs> so how do we <laughs> condense well, it? <laughs> okay, but I look at movies like Ocean's Eleven, <laughs> where they did complicated things. Obviously, that was a very different movie. Very. Where they did complicated things and they dumbed it they didn't really dumb it down they showed you how complicated it was but in a really quick way really quick way so you can see these people are this well was, yeah no this movie wasn't about that no you, you weren't gonna geek out on the no they didn't on get, the quick cuts and everything else yeah, you didn't care about that we you cared, cared about the white trash having some knowledge to be able to do this we wanted cyrus's <laughs> next one-liner we did yeah we wanted swamp things one-liner we love <laughs> yes, them all yes yes so at the end Cyrus and all the worst of the worst bad guys escape on an emergency response vehicle. And Cyrus sprays a couple of cop with water from said vehicle. And I was like, I thought fire engines didn't carry water. I thought <laughs> they, 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 they'd like get it from the fire hydrants. Fire, yes, exactly. They, yeah, so I was, so I was, went a little look in. So there's a difference between a fire engine and a fire truck. Okay. So we tend to use these interchangeably, but they're actually different. A fire engine has a pump, a water tank, powerful hoses, and the tank contains lots of water. 
Okay. A fire truck, on the other hand, is the vehicle that transports firefighter and their equipment, like rat ladders and rescue gear and power tools. And rather than carry water, the fire trucks are auxiliary vehicles that carry tools, like aerial ladders. Theoretically, they were on a fire engine, but it also had the aerial ladders on it, so they were also on a fire truck. Because <laughs> <laughs> so they. They just kind of smashed them together. They did. They made it both a fire engine and a fire truck, Mm -hmm. insinuating that they had water on board. Which, okay, they may have some water on board. I think they probably more likely have fire retardant on board. Oh, maybe. Yeah. To be able to salvage other homes or things Hmm. around a, until they can get hooked up to the fire hydrant. Yeah. So... I think it's another suspend your disbelief. A little bit. A little bit. Yeah. (sighs) So now the psychology of it. I definitely want to hear what you have to think about this. But (laughs) I looked up what the difference between criminal insanity and mental illness exhibiting dangerous behavior (laughs) was. Because they are different. They are different. (laughs) So, of course, this was on ResearchGate. And the first answer made me laugh. From a layperson unfamiliar with this field. I'm like, if they wanted a layperson unfamiliar with this field to give them an answer, they'd have gone to Reddit. Right. And not ResearchGate. Come on, man. (laughs) This is just like a dude bloviating. Yeah. This is what I think. Well, let's hear what he bloviated. (laughs) Oh, I don't want to even (laughs) talk about what he bloviated. I want to hear the independent research and the... People from Blue Cross Blue Shield who actually had valuable information. Uh, so criminal insanity is a term used by mental health professionals that do not want to face to the fact that patients commit crimes because of their illness and do not want to stigmatize the majority of non-criminal mentally ill. The general public do not accept that mental illness is a reason for criminal acts, especially in high-profile cases. As a result, we punish the mentally ill and fill up prisons with them. And that's, you know, fair in a lot of cases Mm. because we don't have a lot of... uh, Some people need to be in prison and some people need treatment. Yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Now, this lady said, only in the most severe cases of mental disorders do we ever see the inside of a psychiatric hospital. However, I have personally worked clinically with individuals in psychiatric hospitals who were dangerous and they were on a locked unit for that precise reason. So criminally insane indicates a pattern of behavior in which a person will use any means to accomplish what they want. Hannibal Lecter was criminally insane. Schizophrenic patients can be violent if they are not on their medication. They are mentally ill at the time, but not criminally insane. Their behavior is sporadic and not purposeful. So it was kind of... I like that answer the best. Yeah, yeah. That's the one that wraps it up a lot better. (laughs) You know, if you don't have an intent... And that's the, that's what makes something a criminal act or not. Whether you're talking about insane or a fully capable sane person, criminal intent is important. Right. To all conviction. You have to show intent. Right. Right? Uh, so, for instance, Capoe should have gone in there and pled self-defense because he had no criminal intent in the situation. Okay. And he should have gotten off for that. Right. So, but they charged him as if he had criminal intent. Just because he, he had, had military, military training, training. Um, and, you know, should be held to a higher standard, whatever 
baloney. Yeah, yeah, baloney that they were spouting. So the criminal intent is important whether you're sane or insane. Yeah. Yeah. That's 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 fair. And I would say it's fair that we do tend to rather than treat people who are mentally ill, we stick them in prison. That's fairly well documented unfortunately. <sighs> It's well documented, but I don't think it's a majority. I don't think it's such a no. vast percentage of cases that oh, it's really? a, a public health crisis, really? in my opinion. Oh. I don't think the percentage is there yet hmm. where we have that. But it's one of those hard things because are all people who make criminal and bad choices somehow kind of ill? Yeah. All of them kind of are. All of them could have been raised better. All of them could have had a better sound, emotional, spiritual mental connection to right and wrong and make better decisions all the way from your petty criminal to a murderer. Mm-hmm. They're all kind of, if you, you can make the argument that the Every reason single. why they all did that is because they're ill. It's circular logic. Okay. It's circular logic to me to say, okay, well, if you make a bad decision, you're ill. Well, well and then if you're ill, you'll make a bad decision. Well, how handy dandy. Let's just, uh-huh. you know, mm-hmm. build psycho centers and lock them all down. So I, you is, know, so is, Greed a mental illness? It's a human illness. Is it a mental illness? I don't know. I don't think so. Of course, you know that I tend to work on the dimensional approach to right. a lot of things. You know, um, there's what's typical, and then there's kind of what's out of typical. Okay. But I would say that the that no, I I would probably hold people accountable for their actions. People actually can overcome their weaknesses, their human weaknesses, I think a lot more. And I think sometimes we ascribe mental illness as actually a way to write them off mm. and not hold them accountable. Mm. That's fair. Because if we, if, we can, if we have to hold them accountable, then we're accountable for all of our <laughs> actions too. We don't like that. We don't like that. Well, yes. Mental illness can well, become an excuse. You know, when there's mass shootings, they do a lot of talk about mental illness, mm-hmm. particularly when the shooter is white. And male, mm-hmm. and they talk about it way less when the shooter is not white and male. Exactly, we talk about it, and then we act like these things that they have are our predictors. Well, okay, we talked about risk factors a long time ago, right? right? There's difference between a risk factor and something that's causal. So, you know, school shooters. You know, recently NPR was doing some things about um, school shooters that they actually uh, prevented. The, mm-hmm. the act from happening. And, and they kind of went through talking about, you know, several of them had shown um, depressive symptoms in the times before. And they kind of, yeah, they didn't do a great job of, of notating that, yes, it seems like that these people who make these decisions tend to have some depressive symptoms. But by a vast majority, people who have depressive symptoms are not school shooters. Right. <laughs> this is not, in my, I, you know, it doesn't necessarily heighten your risk factor in a mm. way that, like, makes it seem like, oh, well, mental illness, there's a big, you know, chance there's some violence going to happen there. Uh, Actually, not really, right? Kind of not really. Kind of, yes. Risk factors are higher. Oh. But that doesn't mean... But that mean... doesn't mean... So... Well, as you like to tell us, the fruit theory. The fruit, yeah. The, yeah. the, the analogy of the fruit logic. You yeah, know. fruit logic. Yeah. Bananas yeah. are fruit, but not all fruit is bananas. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so let's talk about some of the real life stuff. Yeah. Is there is there a jailbird? There's not a jailbird, but they do have a justice prisoner and alien transportation system, JPATS, that they have nicknamed... Con Air. 
no, they didn't. Yes, they did. Oh my gosh. Yes, they did. So <laughs> it moves people from legal custody among prisons, between detention centers, between courthouses. It's the one. It's the largest prison transport network in the world here in the United States, which makes sense since we have the most prisons. JPATS completes over 350,000 prisoner and alien movements per year. So the airline actually uses a Boeing 737-400. In the movie, it was a C-123K troop transport plane. Right. So it was a military plane. It was plane. like a military plane that they had decked out to look like in prison. Yeah. Because that's way more fun than what actually was <laughs> what actually happens. They have like also some smaller jets and they actually operate three of these. Now the flight schedules are kept very private. Public doesn't know only the people directly involved in the operation know the inmates who are scheduled to fly are given almost no notice that they are being moved so that they cannot form escape plans. So they cannot get plans to the plane yes. and hide them in a cinder block wall right. that they were able to rebuild and paint. <laughs> yes. So passengers on board the flight are restrained with handcuffs. And ankle and waist chains primarily, sometimes they're double and triple locked. Those who pose an additional danger may be forced to wear additional restraints, such as reinforced mittens. Mm -hmm. <laughs> what about that like, mask thing that yes, Garland was wearing, and, and right? Masks. The Hannibal Lecter case right there. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. They, they do actually do employ that. That was fairly accurate, oh, wow. as, whereas a lot of the rest of it is... Not so, so creepy. Much. Although, okay, complete aside. Okay, so you know he's so scary looking, and they, and, and you know Cyrus is like, oh, take his mask off. Uh -huh, he's know? a national oh, treasure. He's a national treasure. And so he's diamond dog is all like, nah. and he pops that mask off, and all of a sudden I was like, he looks so young. Uh, I know. I forgot right? how young they are. His little baby face. <laughs> was like, oh my gosh. I had like a moment of like, uh -huh. I am old. Uh -huh. I am no. old because he looks like a baby. Yeah. That's I'm what back. happens 22 I years know. hence. I'm back. But you know, Nicolas Cage didn't look that young. John Cusack okay. kind of did. But Steve Buscemi's baby face really Th threw that's me. That's really true. Yeah. I think uh, Nick Cage didn't look very young because of the mullet. It was a mullet. <laughs> the really, really awful mullet. Yeah. Which I think they thought was really hot in like... Yeah. 97. Well, and the only reason it's a mullet, it wasn't really a cut mullet. He had long hair. The problem yeah. is he has such a receding hairline that it's a, <laughs> it's a, it's a mullet by default. Okay. That's fair. <laughs> fair. Due to FAA regulation, inmates are not to be physically restrained in their seats except for the seatbelts that are used. So it is fairly dangerous, but it's not... They don't have any time to plan. They don't. They don't have like individual cages for the bad guys. They also break up groups who might conflict one another. The the seating arrangements are set in such a way that they're not sitting next to people who might be either somebody that they're going to conspire with or that they're going to argue with if they feel like they're going to 
argue too much or that they can't they'll put them on different planes wow yeah i mean they they're really it really is a well-oiled machine it's it's not like this not like not like con air (laughs) not like the uh movie con air Mm -hmm. poe cameron poe remains married to his wife for his eight years of incarceration and that is extremely rare Divorce rate among couples where one spouse is incarcerated for one year or more is 80% for men and close to 100% for women. I can believe that. Yeah, it's just really hard. And that it doesn't even wait until they actually go to prison. 50% of marriages fail when someone's been sentenced to prison but has not yet started to serve their sentence. That they... Most of them get divorced before they ever even go to jail, which is, I thought was kind of sad. It is kind of sad. So then, as all the bad guys are getting on the plane, the guard says, I see 11 current affairs, two hard copies, and a genuine Geraldo interviewee. So I thought, we may have some young listeners who might not be familiar. They may not know what this is about. They they may not know, like, what is a current affair? It was a television program. It was quote-unquote news. And they covered stories that were overlooked or ignored by the then-dominant network news organizations. So they showed some hard news, but most of it was entertainment, scandals, gossip. It, it was actually off the air by the time this movie was released. Really? It ran from 86 to 96 and oh. was briefly revitalized in 2005. Wow. Yeah. And Maury Povich was the original. Yeah, I didn't know that. I didn't know that either until yeah. I started doing some looking. Though huh. so I remember watching A Current Affair with oh, their yeah. little triangle and the bomb. Oh, the yeah. crappy special effects. Oh, it Woo. was awful, but... It was so exciting. So then we have hard copy. It was it was a competitor to Current Affair. It ran from eighty nine to ninety nine. So it was actually actually on. on. <laughs> it was a tabloid show that aired footage about celebrities and non famous people. So sort of making them celebrities. I didn't recognize any of the hosts' names. No, I don't in think particular. I. Uh, I don't think I watched hard copy a lot. No genre infotainment infotainment yeah that's about right and then we have geraldo rivera so he used to be like a sort of well-respected journalist geraldo oh yeah well he became one after being a freaking talk show host that got hit in the face with a chair yeah and then he went then now he's a little less and now he's a little less okay so he's geraldo rivera i didn't know i did not know until yesterday that he was his name's Gerald. Oh. And he made it Geraldo for appealing to certain demographics. Interesting. Yeah. So what they were talking about is he had a daytime talk show called Geraldo. Geraldo. Yes. And <laughs> they had controversial guests and a lot of theatricality. Which led to a characterization of his show as trash television by Newsweek and some senators. And that's fair because 
he uh, interviewed Charles Manson and showed arrest footages of David Berkowitz and Richard Ramirez. And, and I think this is what set him apart because, see, most talk shows at that time really were just relationships and gossip and and family yeah. squabbles. And yeah. he actually really, this is, I think, how he got himself in there is he kind of played the whole gossip train but used uh-huh. real stuff going on. Yeah, cult killers, white supremacists. Like, he got all of them on, and it's so controversial, and yet this was an issue. These were issues we were dealing with. You know, he investigated real crimes, you know, and then, then he would sprinkle a lot of gossip in there. I don't think he there. really investigated real crimes. I think he invited people who actually committed crimes onto his show. I think there's a difference. I don't know. He didn't investigate them. I think he did. He, I think that's how he ended up being a journalist, like a real journalist. Um, as I think he was doing it, but not really getting the credit. Like, he wasn't really... I don't know. He opened Al Capone's vault on live television. There was nothing there. <laughs> that's not... I don't know. He, he ended up... I don't know. It definitely... He definitely... Let's say this. He was intentional about how he ran his show to launch him into journalism. That's that. I, Can we put journalism in quotes? Yes. yes. <laughs> okay. That air quotes are totally respectable for this. Okay. But that's what I mean. Like yeah. I think that's how he got a little bit. But I was watching live when that chair hit his face. Oh, really? I was watching Wha- live. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yep. there was a whole brawl. S- oh, brawl. Let me find that. Oh thing. my gosh! It was such a brawl. Yeah, it was a show that had white supremacists. Anti-racist skinheads, black activists, and militant Jewish activists. <laughs> like, he put them all in a room together and then wondered why he got hit in the face with a chair. Yeah, but amazingly, for a for a live <laughs> TV show, uh-huh. it calmed down very quickly and everybody was good. And I yeah. was thinking, oh, and there's you know, the theatrics. <laughs> and you know, he got hit in the face with a chair and didn't die from a nose bone he to the brain. didn't, and he has a honking nose. <laughs> So if anybody's nose was going to make it, it'd have been his. Yeah. <laughs> oh, so they basically escaped from jail. So I thought, what was the big jailbreak? Let's let's have a look. Hmm. I found a few, but I thought I'd talk about the Texas Seven. Oh, good. Yeah. They were a group of prisoners who escaped from a correctional facility in Kennedy, Texas in December of 2000. They actually ended up in San Antonio shortly after they escaped, which is where we are. So that was kind of a hometown relationship in the weird, awful sort of way. Hometown prison break. (laughs) Yeah, that's what you want to be known for. (laughs) They were all, six of the seven were apprehended within a month. They only captured six, not because one's on the road, but because one committed suicide before he could be arrested. So they actually had a pretty decent plan. Yeah. You know, they sort of like our Con Air antiheroes. <laughs> <laughs> they restrained and overpowered a bunch of civilian maintenance workers at the prison and took their clothing and their IDs and were able to put on their clothing and, you know, kind of 
pull together enough outfits for them and IDs for them to be able to pretend they were these maintenance workers and to escape the prison. And it took them about a month to capture these people. They stole a truck, a maintenance truck, and then they drove that to San Antonio and met somebody else, parents of one of these escapees, met them. Nice. Yeah, they ended up going to prison too. So the they were outside of Dallas when they decided to rob a sporting goods store and Irving police officer... Aubrey Wright Hawkins responded to the call and she ended up getting shot 11 times and run over by the convicts. And it was shortly after that they put them on America's Most Wanted and people had seen them in an RV park in Woodland Park, Colorado and called them out. They were pretending to be missionaries and playing Christian music very loudly (laughs) so that the neighbors would think that they were missionaries. They captured them all and all but two have already been executed for the uh, death of the police officer. So the other two are still on death row. Wow. Yeah. So they escaped and... That's yeah. it, it. It is ever. It is really kind of interesting. The whole escape plan. I, I think that it it does show a lot of uh, intelligence, mm-hmm. which bothers me because it's like if <laughs> uh, you did just apply that, dumb. Yes, if you did just apply that somewhere else. Uh, but no, you wait until this situation, right? And now you're going to be smart, yeah, Why? but not really smart. But enough. But not really smart enough, yeah. Which I'm glad for. I'm glad that they're not right. really smart enough. Right. But yeah. Then we get to the part of the movie where the money is raining from the sky, <laughs> and I'm like, I gotta know if this has really ever happened because you see it in movies fairly a frequently. Lot. Yeah, a lot. It doesn't happen very often. It does happen though in. Indonesia, a whole bunch of banknotes were dropped over a small plane into a sporting field where a whole bunch of people were waiting as a publicity stunt for a book. The guy who wrote the book said there was no strings attached to the money and that he just wanted the promotion as well as to do a little bit of charity because it was a very poor part of Indonesia. But in 2007, the Japanese were mystified when money started falling from the sky and was being left all over a city in envelopes. And they had a different reaction than the people in Indonesia is they took it to police officers and handed it over instead of keeping the money (laughs) because they were worried that the cash, which measured in tens of thousands of dollars, had come from criminals. Oh, so they, so they turned it in because that's the way Japanese culture works. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Kevin Shelton, who was a real estate millionaire in 2005 on a Sunday afternoon at the beach, just flew over the beach in an airplane and threw $10,000 in cash out the window <laughs> to make people stay a little brighter, which is a little weird. And, and then... So those all have a source that right. people knew about. Okay. Then there was in Kuwait City in 2015, money just started raining from the sky 
it was somewhere between oh half a million and eight hundred thousand equivalent U.S. dollars. Hmm. That it just start, they dropped these five hundred United Arab Emirates dirham notes, five hundred units, and it's about one hundred and thirty six dollars per bill. Wow! Yeah. And they have no idea where it came from. Two to three million units of money, of that kind of money, was dropped and it just fell and people stopped traffic to get out and pick up money and then drive away. And they have no idea where the money came from. Even still. Even still? They have no idea. They have no idea why the money was Line. Well, that's interesting. Isn't that interesting. I wonder if there's like a conspiracy theory out there. I'm sure somebody's oh, on this. Surely. Surely. I'm sure. But the question I have is, can a plane run into a casino, hit slots, make it rain all over Vegas? Because that seemed to be what happened. Is a plane ran into the into the slot machines. They went 777 and all of a sudden money was falling all over Vegas. Yes. <laughs> Well, and like coins fell out, but, but then, then there were dollar dollars. bills. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Like where how? The... How did that happen? I don't know. I don't know either. Because well, certainly it wouldn't happen in Vegas now because you've got your little cards that yeah. you run through. Nobody, there's no, no, there's no money. There's no cash. No. Mm-mm. I don't That's know. How, I don't know how that works. <laughs> I don't know how it works. I don't know how it happens. We suspend our disbelief. Yes, we so do. So would you pick up money if you saw it raining from the sky? Uh, <laughs> I probably would. I, if that would, makes it easier for you to answer. I would, but I think I'd also be a little scared. Like, why? What? What's going yeah, on? Yeah, where did like, this come what's from? What's on the money? Like, is this a oh. terrorist attack? Ooh. Like, is this a bio attack? <gasps> like, I don't See, know. I hadn't gone there. Like, I'd have been like, I... if I spend it, it feels like shopping, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I would want to, but I don't know if my skepticism would win or not. Ooh. Yeah. It might depend on what denomination the bills were. It's true. Ones, maybe not. Hundreds, maybe, maybe. worth the risk. <laughs> I'll get some gloves. <laughs> I'm just going to think practically about it. I'm going to pick this up, but I'm going to make sure I don't touch it. Yeah. I'm going to pick it up with mm-hmm. gloves. I'm going to take it home. I'm going to wash it in my washing machine. Mm-hmm. It's nothing yeah. a little... That's, a, that's probably not a bad idea for paper just, money in general. Just if... Because <laughs> paper money is disgusting. Yeah. Yuck. It all has cocaine on it. It all has cocaine on it. All of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. So, next time, we're going to continue our Nicolas Cage series. Now, this movie, I'm sure I haven't seen all the way through. It's a good one. Is it? Is it equally fun? Okay, it's uh, it's good, but I would say it takes itself a bit more seriously than, like, Con Air. Oh, okay. Where Con Air is definitely stacked for funny. Yeah. This um, is, this a little is, less. This is a little less intentionally funny. Yeah, it's a Gone little... Gone in 60 seconds. Yeah. Because I don't think I've said it yet. No. <laughs> it's Gone. a little uh, a little more intense. Mm-hmm. And Nicolas Cage got a haircut for this movie, which I'm grateful for. Yes, me as well. <laughs> he, me as well. He, this is his 33rd movie, and he actually did five movies in between Con Air and this, and Gone in 60 Seconds, which was from 2000. And it's got Angelina Jolie, Giovanni Ribisi, Robert Duvall, and of course, Nicolas Cage. Mm-hmm. And this is Angelina Jolie's 12th movie, which we, just five years prior to this, was her first feature film, 
Hackers, which we also covered, she did three TV movies in the course of five years. That's yeah. amazing. That's so much work. She did a lot. She did. She did a ton. She was very much took the, I'm popular right now. I'm going to work and work and work and work. Yep. Yep. She did good. That's, that's fair. So I'm looking forward to a wild ride. Me as too. David I'm looking Sheehan forward said. to seeing Giovanni Ribisi again, like young. I love Giovanni Ribisi. Yep. We're young. watching Friends with my son, <laughs> and you know he's Phoebe's brother in yeah. Friends, and I just I, I love him. He's so he's so great in that role, and then he's so great as Sneaky Pete. Oh yeah, fabulous. That, the Amazon series is amazing. Oh yeah, we devoured oh, that like quickly. Oh, We're done. So. Yeah. So good. He has got something about him. The way that he does everything, it can be comedic and so deep yet. Uh-huh. And so I just, he's great. Yeah. And he's really like, even when he's a scoundrel, he's really lovable. Yeah. Which is weird and I funny. Know. But anyway, so join us in a couple weeks for Gone in 60 Seconds. And I think that's all we have for today. That's all we have for today. Thanks but we for look joining forward us. to seeing you Ooh. next time. And oh. do find us on social media. Yes. Tell us what you thought. Would you pick up the money? Yeah. Would you need gloves to pick up money if it rained from the sky tell us on social media twitter at killer fun pod on facebook killer fun podcast the intersection of crime and entertainment or send us an email killer fun podcast at gmail.com yes we'll talk to you soon bye forge audio dream it build it share it